Hello, everyone. Just a quick heads up here before we get started. Um, this podcast went pretty long, so we split it up into two sections. Uh, the first part here is really focusing on um, some general PCFX uh, updates in regards to the games that uh, Filler's been playing, our previous guests on the show, as well as our new guest, Speedy Noel, um, what she's been playing as well. Um, so that's the first part, and then the second part I'll put out later, and that will basically be talking about generally kind of um, the, 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 the historical relevance of PCFX, and also the uh, what it would take to get the PCFX into um, a larger fan base today um, in kind of that retro game scene. Anyway, so this one's going to end a little abruptly, and then also the next one's going to start a little abruptly, so I appreciate uh, you sticking around for both parts, though. and welcome to One Control Report Podcast. This is a multi-tap episode where we basically bring on other people onto the, onto the show to talk about a particular topic. We're actually doing multiple people again. It's been a very long time since we had more than one person on. I think it's the Lost Kingdoms 2 podcast specifically. So I think that might have been the first multi-tap actually. Um, but yeah, so I have two guests uh, on today and we're going to be talking about the PCFX. No real specific topics here that we're going to really be focusing on. It's going to be a more general show. And if you are listening to the audio version, there'll probably be some light video added to the YouTube version if you want to check that out. But it'll probably just be whatever I have available. I probably won't be going out of my way to like fill in every second with with footage for that. Anyways, uh, so we have our two guests on today. Um, so we'll start with a familiar face here. Filler is back here, ready to go again. <laughs> How are you doing today, Filler? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. And Filler, you were on the podcast with me about the, um, it was just kind of like an introductory piece to the PCFX in some ways. It was kind of also positioned as like a, let's re reconfigure the narrative around this console to some degree. Yeah, we really we really did kind of an overview of like, you know, the launch games and, and the libraries that we've played and, and things like that. And, and you have like a significant history of the system for, I think, three reasons, um, just to kind of hit off the big points for anybody jumping in fresh to this. One, you worked on the Welcome to Pia Carrot translation with uh, David, I think his name is, is the, the guy who worked with you on that? Yes. Um, two, you uh, do fan translations today still as a whole. And you also did a very significant number of PCFX videos like over the years, like I think some of those videos are probably over a decade old now, right? At this point, yeah, it might not be that long, but uh, you know, I definitely was focusing on it for a short period of time. Um, but yeah, you know, I've had quite a long history with the console too. I, I did play it back in the '90s when it was contemporary, which I think is like a really interesting point. Yeah, because like you, you are one of the few people who were like there actively playing it when it was still releasing games, which I think is like a really interesting aspect to your perspective on these these things sure so cool um and then we also have a new guest a new fresh face here today um we have noel how are you doing noel i am doing good <laughs> thank you for joining us 
Yeah, of course. You you are fairly new to this scene, at least in terms of like talking about it like super publicly on the internet or maybe in like a video form. You're like, I think your first video was like five months ago, right? Yeah, I think it was December. I did my video on Pia Carrot. And as we'll talk about later, I've had an interest in the system for a long time, but it wasn't until recently that I just decided to kind of dive into it and give it a shot and ended up being really impressed with what exists on it. And and correct me if I'm wrong, the impression I get from your YouTube channel is that you maybe don't specific, you're not specifically aiming to talk about the PCFX. Yeah. It's more of the type of games that are on that system extend out. And so I know you've been dipping your toes into the PC-98 and things like that as well. Right. So it sounds like you're looking to do like a bigger narrative on those types of games rather than PCFX specific, right? Yeah, kind of the goal of my channel is I want to talk a lot about visual novels and particularly Arrowgay because I think in a lot of cases they've been misunderstood and it just so happens that, you know, NEC had at least tried to make a stake in that with consoles with the PCFX having the ability to have 18 plus games like Pia Carrot. And so the P the PCFX ends up being very adjacent to the kind of stuff I want to talk about, which is... These games have interesting narratives, they have a lot of interesting things going on, some of them can be surprisingly progressive, and so, yeah, like I said, the PCFX just kind of lines up with that, because you have ports of major PC-98 games like Dokusei 2 and Pia Carrot to it, which I think is super interesting. Yeah, and like I think that's like super like one thing I always say to my audience whenever I mention you is like I'm like you're making the videos I don't want to make because you <laughs> you add a lot of context to everything and like it takes a ton of research a ton of time yeah. and I'm super appreciative of that but I like look at it like boy I did not want to be the one to have to do that <laughs> so yeah exactly when just like one paper like I needed one on screen quote and I had to search for like 15 different uh, research papers <laughs> and try to figure out how to actually access those research papers for political references and. Yeah, making those kinds of videos is an absolute headache sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's been very, very good to see that stuff, though. It's it's really interesting. And, like, Filler, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, like, why this might have been the case. So, you know, around the time I did my English uh, uh, guide video for the PCFX, um, th all this being unrelated to that, obviously, um, there's actually quite a few other PCFX videos that started coming up with, like, Video Game Esoterica, uh, doing coverage, which we talked about on a podcast with him before. Um, I think it's GTTV. They did like a whole kind of primer on the PCFX um, that I think is like fairly balanced for the most part. Still has like the issues of like not giving the games the highest regard kind of thing. Um, but like, I feel like there's just been a really increasing wave of PCFX content out there on YouTube with that. I mean, not like it's huge, but you know. There definitely has. Like, e even in the Japanese space, I feel like, you know, more folks have been have been sitting down and kind of like, you know, after the fact here, decades later, um, just going back and, you know, just trying trying these games out and trying to discover, you know, more about the system. Um, I don't know why exactly, if it's just sort of a nostalgia thing that's cycling back at this point, but it's it's great to see. I feel like literally the past two or three years, some of the best things that I've seen, you know, just ha happening, you know, for me, it has been seeing like people discovering the PCFX, people like playing, especially Welcome to Pia Carrot and, and, and actually posting videos about it or talking about it. Um, a Japanese user... Uh, I forget their exact handle, but on Twitter, I believe they're like uni something. So it's like a sea urchin. I think that their their icon is sea urchin ish. Um, you know, they just barely played through like uh, Tonari no Princess Ralphie, and uh, they played. I think um, 
you know, Megami Tengoku 2, uh, which was really cool. So, and I, you know, I think that even in, you know, on like Nico Nico and stuff like that, I don't know if there are like playthroughs, like full playthroughs of those games. So, um, you know, so I think that that's a phenomenon that seems to be happening across the board. Yeah, those full playthroughs, as somebody who does not really know any Japanese beyond like the one year I took um, forever ago at this point, like those playthroughs are super helpful. I used, even though the Sparkling Feather one, we'll get to Sparkling Feather later, was was not complete. It was like incredibly helpful for me getting the good ending of that game because like I could sit there and study the cutscenes, like what's happening, who's involved, who did I need to build relationships with probably because they cut out all the gameplay, I guess, at some point, for some reason. I guess they're like, oh, this is too boring of a video game to show. <laughs> but but uh, it was it was definitely a challenge there um, for that. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that kind of increased discussion around the system overall myself as well. Um, and, and I think that's that's, you know, I, I think you're right on on some regard, definitely with, you know, it's it's kind of that time, you know, PlayStation, Nintendo 64. Well, I guess at some point with like with re- where we're at with retro games right now, it's probably more like PS2, GameCube, Xbox generation. But, yeah, you know, there's still some overlap there, I think, still happening to some. I'm degree. seeing a lot of people. I-, I see a lot of nostalgia now for the PS2 era and stuff like that. Particularly, I've seen a lot of YouTube videos and YouTubers start to cover that era and be nostalgic for that look of games. But mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the people have trawled through all of the Famicom and NES library. People have gone through the Super Nintendo, Super Famicom. People have gone through the N64. People have gone through a lot of the popular systems and really finally combed them. But then you have the really odd stuff like the PCFX that, you know, people haven't gone through as much, especially in Western spaces. So I think now as retro games are getting more popular and even as stuff like interest in anime is continuing to grow and grow people are getting more and more interested in these niche and niche japanese systems and wanting to explore them and you can even see that with home computers like the pc98 people are really curious about the games and the artwork on them like i yeah there's a bot on or not a bot but a person on twitter who posts tons of pc98 artwork and i guarantee most of the people following it have never played those games but there's a really deep fascination with how they look and people wanting to play them even though, you know, they know next to nothing about them. It's just this whole new frontier. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that kind of maybe leads into, you know, you've, you've told me so far, like, why you're interested in the PCFX and why that makes sense for your content. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what would you view as, like, your path to the system? Like, I guess, and when I say this, I mean almost like from a, hey, when you first started playing video games, how did it lead to yeah. you being into the PCFX? Like, where did you start <laughs> and 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 how did you end up on this path, whether it's PCFX specific or more just yeah. in general, like, you know, uh, uh, that the, the space oh. that PCFX occupies? Oh, that's a fun story. So I, I remember my first kinds of games I played were on a family computer that my parents owned, and it was an old Gateway Pentium 4, and I, mm. you know, played a bunch of stuff on it, and I want to say around, like, 04 or 05, I think my dad upgraded for Far Cry, and he ended up passing that old computer down to me, and because, you know, <laughs> I was a kid, I didn't, I wasn't allowed much time on the computer because family mm. rules are like that, so I'd spend a lot of my time on the main family computer using our DSL internet to try and find websites that had games I could download and because of that I ended up finding abandonware and ROM websites and then I kind of hung around those for a while I really started getting into console emulation and particularly import games I just mm. thought I was like oh this is I can't even understand this but this looks so cool and then uh, eventually one of the sites I used someone dumped a bunch of Dojin games onto it Toho was the big one but there are some mm. 
there was some smaller action stuff that people would often uh, pass around. And I got really into Toho probably when I was like 12 or 13. Wow. And so you you got on this track yeah, very early. Yeah. <laughs> it spiraled absolutely out of control until I just became an absolute weeaboo. And then um, around that same age, I also started watching a lot of YouTube videos. I think Luke Morse One was one of the big channels I watched. And he did a video on the PCFX. Mm. And as a young teen, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. It's this anime game console. I don't even know what an anime is, but I love this. And then <laughs> fast forward to now, and I've, you know, I've read visual novel, a couple of visual novels. I wasn't super huge into them until recently, <laughs> but um, I was watching GameStack. I was showing my roommate a bunch of episodes, and they had the one on the PCFX and rewatched that. And they brought up Pia Carrot on it. And I just had this moment that clicked of like, you know, they're being really negative this game. And I had good experience with other visual novels. And this is in English. I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go download this and play it. So I spent an evening trying to set up Pia Carrot and um, Yuna. I think, I forget which one was first. I, I either got interested in Yuna or Pia Carrot first. But either way, I was invested in trying to see, you know, why they were so negative about Pia Carrot. And then I think I spent like five hours straight one day just playing it and completing as much <laughs> as I could of the game. And I was like, okay, I gotta know more about the PCFX. I gotta know more about this game. And then, you know, I've made the Yuna and the Pia Carrot video. And a friend gave me a PCFX and then the Angelique video happened. And I think my life's kind of spiraled out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in curious, a good way hopefully yeah <laughs> i'm curious filler like with pia carrot being like an entry point and being the person who translates that like does that i don't know, does that feel like mission accomplished to you in some ways <laughs> translating something yeah. like i got somebody into the system because of the work i did in some ways uh, yeah no that's so interesting i mean honestly like i think i felt a certain amount of guilt for a number of years uh to tell you the truth for um kind of being a part of that being the first game so to speak like translated mm -hmm. for the pcfx because you know i feel like the perception around the system is really only reinforced you know in a kind of a negative way by people mm -hmm. that aren't actually doing that work and sort of delving into that game and, and seeing more about what it's about um but yeah no like i i, I think that's fantastic and um you know, I was, I would say, just deeply validated, right? Um, just sort of <laughs> listening to your video about that game because, you know, same thing. I've been wanting to kind of make uh, a video about Pia Carrot in particular just to sort of explain, like, why I like it so much and mm -hmm. why it had such a profound impact on me. Um, and, like, you just came along and, and, like, just made that video, right? Like, I've probably seen that video 10, 10 times now, maybe. And, <laughs> and I apologize, like I intended to, you know, comment on it or something like that. And I never, I never did. But, um, but it's, it was just so great to see that video out there. So, uh, so that's, that's amazing. I'm, I'm just, I'm really glad that we're like, kind of in that timeline. Yeah. where like, I, I went to the trouble of like, you know, um, translating that game and, and people can appreciate it now. It's, it's, it's yeah. We're in the timeline of you translated that game. When was that? Was that 2008, 2009? I can't remember exactly. It, it was around then. Yeah, maybe okay. two, you were probably probably right around then. Yeah. 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 You do that in 2009. And then 12 years later, a 20 year old woman watches a video by GameSack. And they're like, <laughs> I, I want to check this game out. This could be interesting. And then it spirals off into me getting really deep into this. I actually have a, 
I there was a really cheap copy of Pia Carrot too on a Japanese website. It was like four dollars or something. Wow. I was just like, oh, wow. okay, I want to check this out. Yeah, so I have that arriving, and I really intend to check it out at some point because again, I I love the original. I want to see more of it. I'm excited to see you know where further games go in it. So thank you. You got me. You got me invested in all this, and you got me really invested in this series. Well, it's it's my sincere pleasure. <laughs> I've let both of you down. I have not played either the English translation for Pia Carrot or watched your video yet. So. <laughs> um, I'm one of those jerks who is like, oh, like I can't watch somebody else's opinion about it until I, if I know I'm going to play something, I got to, you know, wait until yeah. I, I consume somebody else's video. All right, I'll get to this. So I, what I did do for you up for the algorithm is I let it run in the background all the way through. So you got the full watch yeah, time. Thank and you. then I you just did not, I just muted it, did not look at it. But, <laughs> but I will get there once I do it. And, and um, you know, I haven't gotten any further on this. I know I talked to you about this filler about I got the PCFXGA card, my PC98 I have here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I am not a very good computer person especially <laughs> old computers so i'm kind of got stuck and i don't really know like the next steps per se yeah i need to go back into the pc98 group and be like please help me yeah i'm a dumb baby boy sorry <laughs> so. i think there's like one or two people you know in the pc98 spaces that have the card i almost briefly considered becoming one of them but at the same time i didn't want to pay for one of the cards because i already own an fx so i'm kind of just like in the back of my mind it's like Oh, you know, this would be cool to own. But the tower is sitting right there. The tower's cooler, man. The I like the tower cool. more than the PC98 box. PC98 <laughs> box just looks like a PC. So. Right? <laughs> but, but the tower is like the tower of power. Exactly. Kind of. I guess that's, I'm stealing that from Sega Genesis stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, but I will I will guarantee at some point. But the nice thing about uh, me kind of attaching it to the, the PCFXGA card specifically is that I'll feel like I'm doing something that's more than just me playing the video game kind of right. thing. I'll be testing it to see if it works there, which there should be no reason it shouldn't work, right? <laughs> yeah, but, it should work okay. But, you know, it would be it would be interesting to 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 play that. So, at <laughs> some point, at some point. You um, you're braver than I am. <laughs> <laughs> if if I can actually sit down and figure this thing out, which maybe next month I'll do, but you guys know me. I plan. You have my respect for for getting as far as you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess like me the lo one last question I have for you, um, Noel, is just mm -hmm. like what drove you to create the content around this? Like what what was what drove you to make a YouTube channel and start making videos about this? Um, so I should clarify that I've had a YouTube I've done YouTube content for a long time. Okay. I most of my content is on another channel. It's old. A lot of it's not great, you know, like some of it's decent, but frankly most of it is pretty mediocre but since that time i uh i mostly covered one certain stuff and i had this feeling i wanted to branch out and try and cover you know more niche uh anime japanese stuff because there wasn't much exposure of what i was really into so i stopped making uh content on western games for a while and i had the idea after seeing yuna's translation come out and i didn't have a whole ton of work going on at that moment i was like this seems like a cute short fun game maybe this could be an easy way to get back into video content i could do a short video on this and i could start a channel dedicated mostly to talk about all sorts of japanese stuff so i um i made the video on yuna because it seemed like just a fun way to spend some time. And I thought mm -hmm. maybe I could upload something. And then that got somewhat popular. And it kind of... It, it went from there. And as I started looking more and more into games I wanted to cover... You know, that's actually how I got the Pia Carrot. Is I saw that in the video and thought that would be interesting to cover too. But anyways, mm -hmm. I just... You know, I started 
going deeper and deeper into uh, anime and Japanese games and visual novels particularly, and I saw there was next to no content on any of this. Like, even more popular visual novels I was finding next to no content on. When I was doing my canon video, despite being one of the most important VNs ever made, like, it shaped the industry now. No one was really talking about it in Western spaces. So as I kept diving further in, I had this realization of this is a space that I think needs discussion. So, you know, for all of the, for as difficult as it is to make content, um, I guess what got me into making it again was wanting to expose these games to people and show them, you know, there's a lot to them. And I missed making content. Like, you know, I do <laughs> free, I do freelance music now, but the thing with freelance music is you binge like 10 to 7 p.m. days for two months straight, and then you have this hollow feeling in your gut for two months straight because you have no employment whatsoever. <laughs> and it ate at me horribly. And I'm like, I need something to do to fill in this space, and videos work perfect for that. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you can find the time for it for right. sure. Like, yeah, yeah if, if there, you make you make something good out of a bad thing of not having work. But yeah, so. <laughs> you know, so. not, not having work's not necessarily a bad thing. I think I could live the rest of my life just doing these YouTube videos. <laughs> but I also gotta do work, and doing work gets me in that headspace of I need to keep doing work, or I feel like I'm gonna die because I always <laughs> want to be preoccupied. Yeah. <laughs> Filler, we never really had a conversation, I think, about, like, how you got into the PCFX. Like, I know your friend had it. Like, what what was that trajectory? What did that trajectory look like for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit. But, um, you know, yeah, my buddy ended up importing it back when we were kind of getting into anime. And we were mm -hmm. also big game fans. And the, I don't know if I mentioned there was this online shop. It was called um, NCS National Console Support. Mm. And I believe that is where he imported the system from. Um, and, you know, I don't think there was like a lot of information or research. I think it was just, it was new and it was shiny and it was like anime. Um, but, you know, it was super cool. Like we really enjoyed that. And I feel like I've always had a bit of a ability to appreciate or just willingness, right. To appreciate, um, video game systems, just sort of regardless of what anyone else thinks about them. Right. Like my first game system was an Atari 7,800. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and I actually, like, I asked for that instead of a Nintendo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I may also, I mean, my, my taste may be questionable, but, um, but yeah, you know, after, he got bored with that system, right? And I had started studying Japanese, things like that. I I bought the system from him, you know, a few few years later. And it took me a while. I think I was inspired a bit by uh David Shadoff, who is also kind of a PC engine nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um I may I may actually mention him uh more a little bit later. But um we were ended up working on a game like a fan translation together for a PC engine game. Um, but just in talking with him, he had a complete PCFX collection. Right. Oh, and wow. I just thought that was the most amazing thing. Right. You know, it's, it's not a big library of games, like 62 games. So it's totally doable, but sometimes it's just not the kind of thing you think of. Right. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, eventually I end up thinking, well, Hey, maybe, maybe I could do that too. And um, you know, that that's just kind of led to me, like having a complete collection and wanting to to dive into the library more. I mean, you feel, you know, especially some 
responsibility, you know, uh, to, to actually play the games that you've, you know, you've, you've spent a bunch of money on and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. Did, did he talk to you at all before he purchased it or is it just like, Hey dude, check it out. Kind of thing. It, it, it was exactly that. It was, he was just, it's like it arrived one day. He's like, look at this new thing I got. And I'm like, that is amazing. Yeah. That, that was it. So to kind of get back on track with like um, some of the games you've covered so far, Noel. So we, we talked about Pia Care. Is there kind of a, anything else you guys would want to say about Pia Care? If not, probably can just move on to, to what your next video is. Watch Noel's video. Watch Noel's video, yes. If you have yeah. not, it will be linked for sure. If it's in the YouTube, I will add the card at this point. Click it now. Come back. Yep. At some point. So um, <laughs> anyways, so so I think after that, your next PCFX specific video, though, was uh, Angelique, right? Yes, it was on uh, Angelique Special, which is a port. It was the first time the Super Famicom game got ported. And the Super Famicom game itself was, I think I've read an interview, so it's kind of a mild success. You know, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it's widely considered the first Otome or Maiden's game or basically dating sim for girls. And it's really interesting because it's a, you can tell it has roots in Koei strategy because it's made by a, another team internally from Koei. And if you play another game like Nobunaga's Ambition or the, uh, Free Kingdoms games, you can really see the, um, you can see the comp- the company's own internal influence on that and how mechanics are borrowed or repurposed, mm-hmm. which is absolutely fascinating. And I think it's interesting that they specifically note in interviews that it's with Special. The game really seemed to take off because obviously voice actors are a big deal in Japanese media. And Angelique Special was the first time that within the Angelique game itself, because it was the first CD console they ported it to, you had these really big budget voice actors. So I don't know if the PCFX version that I covered was specifically the one that made Angelique break out into the mainstream, but it is the first version that, um, you know, it, it laid the groundwork for what would become a very long and enduring franchise and what would spawn an entire genre of video games, even if Angelique Special itself is kind of a mess of a game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think it came out on PlayStation later, right? I would think yeah. that's probably where it probably got traction, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Yeah, um, I would be curious to see, see. like, so I think it, I think you brought this up in your video for this. Mm-hmm. Is that like there? So the PCFX has problems with like streaming audio, multiple yep. tracks of audio. Yep. And so, like, I think you mentioned in your video, like, there's one scene that has this, like, really energetic music, and then, like, a guy just, like, jumps in, yeah. and all of it goes yeah. quiet. It's the intro of the video. Something. Yeah. He's like, yo, kitane. Like, <laughs> it was so funny, because, yeah, the PCFX is really weird, because the game, uh, it streams, because there's so much voice acting, the music is stored as a stream of audio, as a stream of just uncompressed audio, as far as I can tell. Or maybe it's in whatever codec the PC engine or PCFX might use. I'm not sure. But it's the (laughs) same as the voice acting. So in order to play voice acting, the music has to stop. So you get you get stuff like that where most of the time you enter in uh, a guy's room to talk with them and try and bond with them. The music, um, it, it kind of cuts off normally and you get a normal conversation. But it was particularly with him. I think it was Oscar that he does this insane backflip upon entry. And he has the most energetic theme in the game. And it was so funny that I just had to put it at the start of my video. <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't get over it. And apparently it does it on the PC version as well, from what I've read. The um, 
which I actually looked, I'm looking at the VNDB list now. The release order was, like I said, the PCFX was the first one to have voice acting. That's where it got really big. And then three months after, they put it on Windows, which I think was kind of a mild success. And then you had the voice fantasy version for Super Famicom, which is funny because it has the uh, external, you had to hook up an IR transmitter to your Super Famicom, and it would tell your CD player with the Angelique CD what voice line to play. All right. Yeah, it was not aware of that. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely surreal. And then, yeah, there's the PlayStation version, which probably is where it got successful. But again, the it, it's really interesting that, you know, the PCFX doesn't get much credit, but it is the system that laid the strongest groundwork for the start of what's now a really enduring subgenre of dating sims. There are a lot of these games on the PCFX, right? There's a lot of Angelique games. There's also, I think it's like Albodeano Otome or something like that. And, and, I guess, have you played any of those other ones yet at all? So I haven't played any of the other Otome games on the PCFX, which I probably should because, yeah, Angelique mm. was, um, I don't know if it was faithful to the PCFX in terms of it would only release games on there or they only released first on there. You know what? I actually mm-hmm. have a link right here. No, it actually looks like, um, yeah, they released these games f- generally first on the PCFX and then ported them to later systems, which is some really fascinating dedication to the platform. But um, mm. I haven't played any of the other Angelique games. I want to at some point, I'm better at Japanese because they all look very interesting. I hear they do interesting things. I haven't played the um, other Otome game, Albare and Otome, which it also seems very interesting. But it's curious that you bring up that there are other Otome games on the PCFX because I feel like there's this um, idea that the system was only ever marketed to otaku men, that it only ever appealed to otaku men, which mm. is in a lot of ways true. Like, that was a big market that NEC was pushing for. But you can look at the games library and see, like, NEC, it seems like they more broadly wanted to get people invested into anime rather than just specifically the stereotypical shut-in otaku who's after dating sims. Yeah, and I, I I would assume they have well, maybe I'm speaking too too much on this, but like I assume they probably had some success if they continued to release these games on the PCFX, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so if there they probably have, was an audience there. Yeah, if they have this level of faithfulness where games were releasing anywhere from you know they had anywhere from five months to a year worth of exclusivity, surely mm-hmm. there you know there had to be some women who were playing the some women or gay men who were playing the PCFX and really enjoying these titles, which is. That, that's It's a fascinating thing to think about with this system, because that's not a perspective you often see people think about, you know, people don't think about uh, dating sims from the perspective of women or LGBT people often, but specifically the PCFX is commonly regarded as the otaku nerds game system. Filler, have you, I know you're a little more tapped into like the Japanese PCFX, I mean, I think you more or less just kind of like linger on Twitter or something like that and yeah. see that kind of thing. Have you seen any like anyone that you you kind of suspect would be either a, a woman with that stuff or or somebody who who you know was was lgbt or something like that or because i feel like most of the people i see online definitely feel like older otaku men who are just like you know smoking <laughs> cigarettes and stuff like that <laughs> so. yeah that's that's a super interesting question i mean there's there's a blog that i think i mean i guess if you'd call it a blog um that's been around since the the 90s really when the uh pcfx was contemporary mm-hmm. um that just has all of these people's comments about the games right you'll just go and you'll you'll click on the game and then it'll just be everybody's opinion about it that right. you know from from that time and um thinking about it when i've looked at that it's it's definitely felt like 
kind of a largely sort of like young male otaku audience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I don't know that I've actually delved into the comments on like, you know, the Otome games and things like that as much. Um, but yeah, even like just, I, I would say just what I've gleaned on Twitter and things like that. Um, I personally, I haven't really seen that, you know, sort of Otome game player um mm-hmm. who you know is is like nostalgic for that time of the the pcfx so that's an interesting question and i, I think that's also like could have been a really fascinating trajectory for the system right. if those games had taken off maybe a little bit more and sort of you know buoyed the system you know longer i think the system you know people kind of poke fun at it as let's say a, a you know failure you know which mm-hmm. i think possibly from ndc's perspective or you know anything like that like yeah. it, it it may have failed on on you know some levels yeah. but um you know like i think if it really found an audience for those games that would have been really interesting um to see to see that sort of blossom more on the system do no on your side. Do you think mm-hmm. you you see yourself doing more Angelique stuff in the future on the PCFX, or is, you feel like you kind of got your fill with the first one for that? I absolutely see myself doing more stuff. Like you know, when I'm mm-hmm. further into my Japanese studies, when I'm better at Japanese, I would absolutely love to cover um, Angelique Special Two. And let me see what the other one was because it was actually an RPG. Yeah, Angelique Tenkyu no Requiem. It looked yeah yeah. I, I played a little bit of that actually. Yeah, yeah. I really want to play that. I yeah, put like I, an hour or two it, or into mm-hmm. it. The, the problem I have is, is that like I'm not really a huge fan of like the classic RPG of just mm-hmm. like attack, defend, item, whatever. Yeah. Um. So I really need something in, in addition to kind of um to draw me in, and definitely the relationship stuff with the Otome stuff definitely definitely is a, a help with that. Mm-hmm. But I think for me specifically, and like I've been saying this for ten years, and who knows <laughs> what will actually happen. I think Blue Breaker has always been the game that like jumps out at me a bit more. Not so yeah. much because of the gender of the characters or anything like that, just because that game sounds like it's a nightmare mess to play because of its relationship <laughs> aspects of like, there's yeah. just a lot going on there um, from what I've like read and heard and talked to people about where I feel like I, I, and I haven't heard that much about the Angelique game. I mean, I'm wondering if it's more straightforward of just like, this is an RPG, but you can end up with a different ending depending on the guy kind of thing. I, right. From, from, Everything I've seen about Angelique, I don't know if I would call it straightforward. With yeah. Music. Well, really? Okay. Yeah. Angelique's, uh, I mean, I talked about it a lot in my video, but like, I don't, I don't think I've met men in real life who are as picky or petty as any of the guys in Angelique. It's, <laughs> it is truly fascinating how petty the AI in that game is. It. It is a, it's funny because the game itself is like not particularly hard to play, right? You know, I started mm-hmm. at the beginning of my Japanese journey. I didn't even finish Genki 1 and I was playing that game and I was mostly managing it. The issue is that there's so much RNG that it's actually absurd. And so yeah, yeah. I, I think it gets better as the series goes on. But like, dear God, that first game is just an absolute nightmare to play <laughs> at some points. I imagine because they're throwing in, you know, RPG systems, they maybe have to tone it down a bit and find a way to work it in but when the focus of the game is those systems and basically nothing else like wow do they go ham with it yeah have you played the um little mini game collection thing i I assume it's a mini it's like a weird board game mini game kind of thing like you move around a map and stuff like that um i think there's like a game boy advance version that came out later on as well i forget the name of that one you know what i actually i actually have not The, the weird thing is i haven't delved super deep into this series because like um, a lot of how I read Japanese games right now is I use a text hooker and then I 
copy the text from the game and put it into my browser and use a browser extension, uh, Yomi-chan, and then I can dictionary through stuff I don't know, and that's mostly how I learn words. You can't really do that with, like, PCFX or Game Boy Advance stuff, so I'm I'm holding off on um, a lot of those, and that's also why I haven't delved deep into the Angelique series outside of the PCFX games, because I really want to cover the recent stuff. I really want to cover, actually, the remake of Angelique that came out on Switch not too long ago, but it's also just above my pay grade and i feel like it'd be missing far too much to actually enjoy the experience mm. i think it looks like it's called and I, i'm gonna butcher this i'm sure fushiki no kuni no angelique that's on the pcfx as well um for that uh and and yeah at least at least i don't know how accurate this is but yeah. the wiki categorizes it as a board game so <laughs> i played a little bit of it and i i it was one of those yeah. things that i didn't like when i don't commit to like playing a game i can't understand it becomes yeah. significantly harder to make any progress. It's when I commit yeah. that it becomes like, oh, this is actually like once I start putting the puzzle pieces together, like it's kind of crazy how far you can get in these games without, you know, right. knowing any Japanese really. Yeah. <laughs> or very, knowing very little Japanese. Uh, so so that that's mm-hmm. the one that I've, I've sat down and I, I probably should spend more time with because that's like when it comes to probably the people I'm talking to through my channel, that's probably more relevant to them to some degree. Right. We'll see. We'll see. I would love to play every (laughs) PCFX game someday. So that would be absolutely wonderful. I I I really want to someday as well. There's a lot of. I feel like you know, like I talked about earlier, people have scraped the bottom of the barrel for a lot of these game libraries like Famicom and N64. But Mm -hmm. with stuff like PCFX and you know even PC98, it's a big part of why I love my PC98 so much. Is you pick up any one of those games. And you're probably going to get an experience that no one in English-speaking cultures really knows much about. Mm -hmm. And it's that same joy of looking through uncharted territory that I used to get as a kid when i just play, you know, random games. And before the era of everything being on YouTube, you really had to figure all this stuff out yourself and, you know, experience the game as it is with nothing going in. I I think there's a big draw to that with consoles like the PCFX. Just an FYI, so I did check that Angelique in Wonderland game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does say that it's like a, a Sugoroku or Sugoroku-style okay. game. So, which is, it's like, that's like a board game. It's like, uh, you know, whatever. Shoots and ladders or something like that. Yeah. Game of life, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just remember, like, there's, like, trains of men walking across the stage or on the board. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, a bunch of them walking by, by, behind each other is the big thing I remember. There, so. There is a screenshot of a Columns-style game with, like, you know, the faces of handsome men. Yeah, yeah, there's oh my too. God, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, I don't know how much is in there, but I'm, I'm aware there's at least that Columns game in there yeah. for that. So it's it's an interesting looking one. I just haven't sat down and like put time into it. I think there is like, if anyone is looking into maybe playing something like this, I think the Game Boy Advance game has like a Game Facts guide somebody made. And uh, I think that okay. pretty much applies to the PCFX one if you want to get into this without learning any Japanese to actually understand what's happening kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> but I have not looked at that guide to see if it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, accommodates it. I think um, Vink with a uh, Japan Retro Direct, I think he made me aware of it when I imported it. And he's like, by the way, here's this. You should, okay. you should have this. So um, to get back to the more like, I guess, otaku straight male kind of side of thing. Mm-hmm. So you also did um, a series of videos about Yuna specifically, yep. right? Um, and I would say that probably more aims towards like that audience, probably. Um, Yeah, Yuna's, Yuna's weird because like, you know, playing it, um, as a woman, I get this feeling 
like there's nothing actually I'd say like otaku pandery about Yuna in the sense that um you know the game itself it's not super big on etchy in a way that's like massively uncomfortable most of it's though but what little is there is pretty goofy and you know Yuna mm-hmm. is obviously like oh she's a cute idol she's the perfect girl but she's also really genuinely funny and an actually fun and good character so it's interesting that yeah that probably was the audience they were going for with yuna they wanted basically a virtual idol but she's a genuinely really enjoyable character overall but um yeah so i did the videos on the games yuna one is still a pretty fun adventure yuna two is much more refined and again it's a great time yuna fx which i think was one of the topics we wanted to cover in this podcast was uh interesting <laughs> yeah yeah interesting is a nice way to put it that game is I, I i like i say in my video there is this charm to games that are just absolute trash or games that are just complete messes there's nothing that really works in them but they're super ambitious and interesting for some reason you know fx falls in that category where i wouldn't tell anyone to play it if they were looking for a good video game i think that would be really mean of me (laughs) but if someone wanted a game where there's just these genuinely fascinating ideas these things that could work and things that you know given a couple more years would be fascinating to explore but instead are put on this system that you know this system and this budget that struggles to make that all realized it's a really interesting way to kill free hours yeah to add some context like what this thing is it's like Mm -hmm. it is a i guess you could say linear animated adventure game kind of thing you get like dialogue options but none of it matters it's more of just like for outtakes kind of thing like here's a little goofy thing that happens yeah Um, right and probably a big driver for why this is the case is it doesn't have much of its own like assets that were created for it. It's all taken from just like an OVA that came out, I think like five months before or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. So what's fascinating, cause I know, you, I know you say it's trash and I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you that it's not very good, <laughs> <laughs> but there are things that I like in yeah. the moment, this is one of those situations where like in the moment of playing Yuna FX, it is not very good. But exactly. when you look back at it, when you think about what you just experienced for the three hours, <laughs> there are some interesting things in there. One, right. it definitely feels like a tech demo. Like somebody mm-hmm. said, see what you can do with the PCFX. Use this stuff just so it can make anything. They yeah. made something and then they're like, oh, okay, ship it. <laughs> kind of thing mm-hmm. is what it feels mm-hmm. like. Um, <laughs> but you can kind of start seeing the pieces of what would be interesting, even yeah. if it was just the OVA, right? Because I think there are many yeah. games in there. So basically, as you go through this adventure, it follows the OVA's plot, literally uses a lot of the animated cutscenes, uses still shots from like individual frames mm-hmm. from the uh, the anime or the OVA. Yeah. Um, but they, they put in like little mini games where it's like, okay, here's a part where Yuna gets like thrown in the water at a boat, something like that, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, so yeah. you have to do that. You have to play that part and you have to throw it. And that's very cool. That is a good mini game. It's the best mini game in that video game. Yeah. Um, there are other mini games that don't get nearly as close but they have context in the world mm-hmm. i think the problem is where things stop having context anymore like when it's like here's a card game here's some weird matching yeah. game and admittedly they're like okay it's on a computer system that's gonna unlock this door so i guess there's like some context but when <laughs> but that's like pretty, half your mini games, 
Yeah, it's flimsy. And like you said, I think, you know, you play it and it's like, oh my god, this is this is a wreck. But you look back at it, it's really interesting, especially in the uh, looking at a larger scope of visual novels. Because yeah. particularly Yuna FX's idea of being an animated um being an animated visual novel is something that got actually it's been repurposed before. I don't remember all the games that did it. The one that comes to my mind is Steins Gate Elite, which actually mm. reminds me a ton of UNFX because it is quite literally just a it's a reiteration of Steins Gate, but they took all of the original artwork out and instead used animation and stills from the anime and animated a couple of new scenes. And like mm-hmm. UNFX, I think Steins Gate Elite is awful. I think Steins Gate Elite is especially awful because you compare it to the very creative and incredible art and art style of the original game, and it's just all sucked out and replaced with anime that yeah. really does not function in the context of a VN. But UNFX's ideas are fascinating and how they seem to crop up in subtle completely unrelated ways as the industry evolves and the idea itself wasn't bad like the idea of an animated visual novel is of i think it's a genuinely really good idea but it you know it i don't know what happened during that game's development (laughs) but something went wrong (laughs) and and sometimes one thing i do wonder because i do feel like you know so if you're going to play this game like the 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 100 thing i recommend you do is watch the ova first because the same story and if you don't know japanese you'll get the story and then when you're playing it you have the context for what's happening yeah like the little outtakes are kind of whatever there's not as far as i can tell nothing important in there i was i was able to read uh some of them you're absolutely right there's nothing important going on there it's literally just like one or two internal thoughts from yuna and then it proceeds as normal yeah so like to me this is like almost it's not that those things should be necessarily paired. You probably shouldn't watch the OVA and play Yuna. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason I say that is because the OVA is in English, the game's in Japanese. Yeah. If if somebody, and I'm not saying this is worth anybody's time. I do really it's think not. it's a waste of time. If somebody <laughs> did fan translate Yuna, it would be a worse experience for sure than watching the OVA. Yep. But I think there would be more value to it because you are getting that story throughout it. Yeah. Um, and, and there are some interesting things. It does the story where like you're on a ship with Yuna and you get almost like Yuna's perspective on certain things happening, mm-hmm. but how it's implemented is pretty bad where she's just like watching computer screens and exactly. then she like makes one comment afterwards. And and then they, they kind of break that reality at some points because later on there's like computer screens where she's watching herself for an event that you don't see happen in yeah. the game. And there's like later scenes where she is not involved in the scene and there's no computer screen or anything like that, yet you're still seeing it. So like it's not consistent <laughs> in that, that view. But like, like I can just see the pieces like, okay, if this had more time... If this had more budget, and even if it was still just using the OVA, I could see it being a valuable substitute yeah. to that as a, as like yeah. an interesting way to experience that OVA. Sorry, Phil. I know me, me and Noel have been talking forever. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's I, fine. I, <laughs> I was just gonna say, uh, for you know, for what it's worth, my impression um, of the game in sort of English language um, PCFX fan circles, um, even kind of you know, back in the day, uh, was that people had a general, generally positive impression of unit FX and yeah, it would, it's one of those games that would get recommended kind of along with the other like English friendly games Mm -hmm. for people to check out. And, you know, just listening to this conversation, I think some of that is probably that the game is quite linear and -hmm. you get to see a lot of cool animation. And I was always kind of confused by it back in the day. And I, but I think that's because I was, you know, I became a pretty big 
like anime fan at the time. And so I had seen the OVA for mm-hmm. Galaxy for Online Yuna. But I think that some of these people who were playing the game on the PCFX and recommending it probably hadn't. So it was their first exposure to Galaxy for Online Yuna. You know, possibly they hadn't seen the, you know, OVA at all. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it was like a kind of an accessible, uh, playable game on the PCFX. So I guess that that might be another, you know, one another perspective. Like, I think there's also a novelty to it. Like, like you said, a lot of these people hadn't seen the Yuna anime. I, I think seeing, you know, back in the day, there must have been an, a real serious novelty to real animation in a... Um, an anime video game like it's not just drawn pictures or stills or anything it's actual studio quality animation made for a studio quality product which you know you still don't see very often and it's it's i think there is a novelty to that like even as i was playing it there was a real novelty to wow this is very seamlessly going between these singular shots and this animation and it all flows well it it is genuinely fascinating. I imagine for a lot of people, it must have been mind blowing back in the day to see that happen, even if you know there's not much substance to it. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and also it made me think um, there is a demo disc for mm-hmm. that game, and I could be remembering incorrectly here, but I believe that it was actually a pack-in demo disc with some PCFX consoles. It's entirely mm. possible the used console that I got. I think it may have actually had that UniFX demo disc in it. So, you know, clearly there was, um, at least on the part of the people making the game, some kind of a an impression that this was putting a good foot forward to have a demo available, possibly even packaged with the, the console. You, right. know, you, might, you might need to confirm that. Um, so so that's, that's an interesting uh, point. I think that that... Um, might you know kind of reinforce uh, your your uh, perspective mm-hmm. there. The unfortunate thing about that demo disc is that it only has the slot machine minigame in it. And oh my oh, god! <laughs> yeah, I, I played through the demo disc. I, is there any the, animation? Uh, so so I mean it, no. So it does have the beginning part of the game. Let okay. me let me take that back. Okay. So you do have when it comes to the minigames, the only one you play is the slot machine ah, game. Ah, gotcha. It okay, ends yeah, right gotcha. before the boat <laughs> minigame. So it's not like you put the disc in; it's a slot machine. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but you do say? you do get that you know that yeah, yeah. high quality animation that, yeah, that may have what, been impressive at the time. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, what they would have sure. really been selling. Yeah, for sure. And like, okay, as somebody as a games for girls fan, let me say yeah. this about the slot machine: I do love that you dress yourself up with the slot machine. Right. I love you get it's different so outfits. It's so good. The only problem is, is that they require you to put on a particular outfit and they don't tell you, like, I, I can't read Japanese. Impression I get, they don't really tell you what that so outfit is supposed to they be. They don't tell you what the outfit is, but I've glanced through the manual and I want to say the the outfits are actually, I think they're in the manual somewhere. As I got well that impression, as if, yeah. Yeah, if you've seen the OVA, you know what the outfits are. So I actually, I watched the OVA, I think, just before I played the game <laughs> again. So I kind of had some of them fresh in my memory. But then I also had to Google search another one because, you know, I couldn't commit all those outfits to memory. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to go back and scroll section. scroll back to the OVA and be like, okay, what was she wearing as her street clothes? I think the thing <laughs> I was missing was like, I don't remember her name. The red hair girl. She has like a Yuri. weird like yeah, cat Yuri. emblem on her shirt or something yeah. like that that she has. And that's the thing I kept missing. So I was like, this looks really out of place on this outfit. And like, oh, that's just the piece that she's yep. wearing. So. And that threw me off too because I was like, oh, this outfit doesn't, this doesn't look right. Oh, it's right. Okay. Yeah. 
but I do appreciate it. It's just not good to play. Exactly. <laughs> that thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned earlier, though, that like people enjoyed this. And so this is one of those things that were my expectation of what somebody's impressions would be, because I try to think that through of like, OK, what is this experience for somebody who didn't play it this way? Right. They 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 play it through without the OVA first. And it's interesting that that kind of was the opposite of what I expect, because I would expect that not enough I don't know enough about Yuna 1 and 2. I do not get the impression that the events of Yuna FX are important. Um, I get the impression that it is, you know, OVA appropriate of we have to shove a story in like less than an hour, right? <laughs> um, so, and and like, I, I kind of feel like, and I, I think I, I mentioned this on Twitter at one point, I feel like Yuna feels a lot like Sinner Kagura to me, where like, none of the characters really are, are like, super... Super interested in what's happening, but but they just kind of are along for this ride in some ways. Obviously, so, they do have their own objectives, and yeah. Senator Kagura has a huge cast, so each character is different, right? But it, 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 so sometimes it can be hard to follow what's happening because Yuna seems disinterested in what's happening the whole yeah, way through. You know what's funny is you touched upon two of my. I mean, okay, Yuna's not one of my weak points, but Senator Kagura is actually a weak point of mine. I've no. played. Uh, I haven't played Burst yet. I've played a little bit of the remake on the PS4. I played all of two. I played all of Shinobi Versus, and I played all of Estival Versus. I will eternally defend Senran Kagura as a lot of the characters do have interesting things going on, particularly since Shinobi and partly mm-hmm. through uh, Estival Versus. But um, on the note of Yuna, what happens in the OVA is actually important, at least the second OVA, I believe, because some of those characters come back in the third game. I know at least Misaki apparently comes back. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I haven't played the third game. I can't confirm how much of this is true. I'm just going off of hearsay and what I've seen. But Yuna's a weird case where the OVA and the events of it actually seem to have a further impact on the series, which is not something you see often because most of the time those 90s OVAs are kind of just like absolutely yeah. nothing. And, and I should like preface that I have not played those first two games to like yeah. I have no context for anything. So <laughs> as, as somebody who has not played those games, it seems very like kind of whatever in terms of story yeah but, you know when you start adding context in i think that's a big thing i think that's also part of like what makes center kagura works is like the moment to moment like and, and i should sp- specify i've only played peach peach splash um i really oh like the mechanics my god of that yeah game. that's why you get that impression that game has like yeah. nothing story-wise to do with the rest of the series it's so bad it's weird i've been told it is a mainline story game from it other is. people so. it shouldn't be but it is <laughs> but, but yeah so like i that is that like when i talk about that game and like what i don't like about it story Storytelling, mm-hmm. people will say you just won't like Sinner Kagura, is what they tell me. So no! I don't know if that's really true or not. That's not uh, true. Like I am, I, I get made fun of for it, but I am a staunch Senran Kagura defender. You can brand that on my Twitter profile, and I'll stand by it. But Peach Peach Blat Peach, whatever you want to call it, is a uh, it's a pretty mediocre game. But yeah, it. I love Peach Peach Flash from a mechanical perspective. Same, I will same. say. And Kanagawa Jet Girls as well, kind of related. I need to play that one. that game. Yeah. I do not like the story, but <laughs> and, and and the, the single play, the problem is single player combat content all really bad. The multiplayer is where it's at, and that community is mostly dead. Yep. Although I think there might be somebody. So let me give the shout out to Anime Esports. Go check them out. Maybe they're still yep. playing it. I was playing with them. It's a great game to play competitively. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So if you're uh, off the plate there, but yeah. So F- you know FX. I think it is. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth playing. I'm still really on the fence about that. I, but if you want to play it, it's you. It's playable. 
I have the take that if you're really into visual novels in Japanese adventure games, it's worth playing Yuna FX because it's this perfect hodgepodge of ideas that don't work and some ideas that would come back later. And it really gives you this idea that in general of how like how experimental that kind mm-hmm. of uh, scene was. Because, you know, I've been playing a lot of PC-98 games, and what really amazes me is the lengths people want to go, be it either thematic or in gameplay, to try and integrate ideas they really want to explore and things they think they could push technology further with. And UniFX, even if it was just, you know, probably made as a tech demo, it, it's a really good example of that kind of mentality, which is, you know, that well, let's just throw throw everything on the plate maybe some of it's going to stick and advance the genre i love that that's that 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 is exactly what i'm into all right i think that's enough you to talk for us yeah. for now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a lot of thoughts there and it helps that i i went and played through this specifically because like oh it's only right. three hours okay yeah. let me do that <laughs> so <laughs> filler it's your time to shine makuruna makandozi you made me play this game for a while i really liked it what where are you at with that game right now? <laughs> I gotta I gotta yeah, game. that's that's a great question. Uh, well, so when you say I made you play it, like, uh, yeah, I was you were inspired to play it after watching my videos. Um, I think you. So I, I was asking, like, hey, do you want to do an English guide on any of these videos? And you oh, were like, you gave right. this, and I was like, okay, let me use your footage. And you're like, no, 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 use your footage. So I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I went and played it for like I think six to eight hours i don't think i i did not finish it i confirm that i got to like the part where you get to like a um there's like a uh what, what are they called is it called onsen kind of things or whatever the, sure uh, yeah. yes yeah you know, the, 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 the open spa, air baths open air baths i got to that part i don't think that's very far in the game um but it was an interesting game and i could definitely go on and talk about what i think is interesting about it though I've, i would like you to chat a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah no I, i'd love to hear your thoughts on it um yeah so i mean this is where i'm going to kind of expose myself as an enormous flake. Um, but, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about maybe doing a podcast, I was, I'm just like, man, I don't know if much has really gone on this year. But, uh, you know, then I realized I'd played through a whole bunch of uh, Makaruna Makendo Z. Um, I was actually asked, I shouldn't say this, I volunteered to play this for someone else. Um, it's a chain of I, events. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I apologize. I forget their name. Uh, they hang out on romhacking.net though. And they actually ponied up money for this. So they were like, hey, you know, oh, I'll nice. pay somebody like a hundred bucks to play through Makeronamakendo uh, Z because there is no, there, there's no video footage, uh, you know, of an actual playthrough of the game on YouTube. And I figured, man, I'm the perfect person for that, right? And, you know, money, whatever, like that's, it's really not, you know, it's, yeah. it's not enough, right, to cover like playing <laughs> through this whole game. It's, it's kind of long and, uh, and tedious uh, in, in some, in some ways. But, um, you know, it's it's something I've been meaning to do forever anyway. So like, this is the perfect excuse. And I I posted what I want to say maybe like eleven videos of it over the past year, and then I totally just lost interest. In uh, I stopped playing. It. I feel so bad. Um, and it's not that I dislike the game or anything like that. Uh, I just do not have the stamina sometimes to retain interest in things like mm-hmm. uh, Elden Ring, for instance. I, I played for 60 hours and then I, ju- I just don't really care to go back and play it right now, right? <laughs> I've gotten my fill of that. So I fully intend to go back and play more of uh, Makeruna Makendo Z. Um, 
but you know it's actually it's it it's a really uh entertaining game uh it's an rpg uh i would say kind of a traditional turn-based rpg in some ways uh it's a little streamlined uh and i would say the game that it most directly reminds me of sort of in modern terms is really the the neptunia series mm, yeah. Um, Interesting. yeah because it is very character focused right mm-hmm. um these these characters, uh, they they actually have a little bit of a backstory. Uh, previous to this game, there were two other games, um, Kendo Rage on the Super Nintendo, I yeah. believe, was yeah. actually localized here. Um, there was a 2D fighting game, a versus fighter on the PlayStation. And then there was this, um, you know, RPG on the PCFX. The drama and, CD as well, apparently. There's an OVA, which I've really wanted to get on, on Laserdisc. Um, I haven't, haven't really been pursuing it recently. I watched that OVA um, and completely forgot I did. I even recommend oh, yeah. people watch it. Yeah, That's a very <laughs> That's good right. OVA. And like, I, I will say, if you do want to play this game, I think it's like a very important starting point because it adds a lot of context if you don't have any of what this game is about. Sure, um, sure. So. Well, you know, speaking of which, so I mean, um, basically, it's about these uh, two sisters and their cousin. So it's uh, it's Mai and Hikari uh, Tsurugino. Uh, their cousin is Saya. She ends up showing up pretty early in the game. Um, but they're like these monster hunters, right? You know, so mm. they, they basically come from this family that, you know, from ancient times have sort of like been demon demon hunters, right? Like that's... Uh, kind of a trope I feel like that's come up in in various anime um so they have this strong connection to the spirit world and th- you know there's this ridiculous gimmick where like their school is whatever like 20 miles away from where they live and they don't have a car or anything so they have to walk to school so they have to get up like whatever you know several hours early <laughs> to walk to school as be part of their training regimen. Um, and the, you know, the name of the game, uh, Makeru Na, I think, you know, we used to kind of pronounce it like uh, ma- uh, Macarena, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but it actually, it's, it means like don't lose. But, uh, you know, in terms of a translation in this context, I may be stretching, but I feel like it's a little bit more like like never give up. Uh, mm-hmm. Maken, makendo. Now, uh, kendo is actually like a you know a martial art, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the sword uh, martial art. Um, it's taught in Japanese high schools and things like that. Um, and the ma is really just like the um, that one character that's like evil, sort of magic, witchcraft, uh, that sort of thing. Demon. It's it's a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of these like mystical kendo practitioners Hmm. um so it's 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 a really fun setting and you have this um detective uh doro who comes from the underworld and he interrupts them at their high school and he's like hey like look this uh this evil dude professor mad is you know uh gotten this this after this ancient artifact um that has powerful demons and he's going to you know do bad things with it and you have to help us um but it's it's a lot of fun i think there's a lot of comedy to it the characters are really cool and the you know the rpg gameplay it's uh it's pretty linear but you have a lot of um i guess like special attacks 
uh, that will do sort of status things, right? Uh, and let me go ahead and just bring up some uh, some notes that I have on it. But uh, you know, you can do things like you know healing, uh, but you can do debuffs. You can do attack down, defense down, evade down. You can paralyze enemies. Um, you can do sleep. Uh, things like that. And enemies can do these things to you, right? So you have status effects of being poisoned or being paralyzed or, or whatnot. So it's really interesting. The, I feel like the gameplay uh, in a lot of it is really uh, based around managing different enemy types that will do um, like annoying things like that to you and having to figure out when you maybe want to like boost your own attack in order to be able to do more than one hit point of damage to enemies or, you know, raise your defense so you don't get completely destroyed. I think one like thing that. that's like really emphasizes this point, And I think what makes this game really interesting is that like, you don't like you do like level up, but if I recall correctly, like everything's kind of given to you on like a storyline basis, right? Like, you don't get moves just from like you know going and grinding. If I'm correct, right? You you just exactly as yeah. The game deals and to you. you absolutely can grind in the game. In fact, I found that I needed to, um, but that really just levels you up, and I think it it raises just like your base stats. Um, but a lot of what you're going to be doing, like you don't get uh, weapons and equipment and things like that from shops, uh, for instance. So you're not going to be like getting gold so you can buy like better boots or something. Um, all of those things are given to you like upgrades to your special attacks are sort of given to you at certain points. Um, but you can purchase items from item shops. And I think your max is like nine items that you can hold. So you're going to be uh, just stocking up sometimes on like uh, uh, just as many as you can of you know, whatever the, the thing that gives you your uh, magic points back or that, you know, heals poison or something like that. It's interesting you mentioned the um, rather linear nature of um, the game's, you know, progression where levels and items and stuff are given to you progressing through story. Because I was curious who developed the game and I saw it was Phil and Cafe and I, I remembered, oh, they have quite a lot of roots in Japanese PC games. And one thing I've noticed with not all, but quite a few um, Japanese PC RPGs I've played, is that a lot of them really like to have that linear um, linear story-based character growth in them. We're like, yeah, you gain levels, but it's basically just as the game progresses, you're gaining them rather than having to actively seek them out and grind them. So if that's the case with how this game is, that's actually fascinating. That seems to be a rather common trope. Yeah, and like I was saying, it's it's not necessarily that way with the levels, but it is that mm -hmm. way with with a lot of the other stuff. Like I mean, yeah. at at a certain point in the game, like you literally just get like better special abilities across the board. Um, you know, I mean, it's probably just a way of sort of gating your um, your power progression, mm -hmm. um, which you know is is probably like handy from a game design perspective, depending on like how how you're designing your game. Yeah. Yeah, the worlds themselves actually are, are more kind of, they are kind of segmented out. Like you do like go to, if I recall correctly, there's like a like evil version of like a baseball stadium and stuff. And I don't think you can like go back to that later, right? I think it is like you do the story thing here and then it's gone. That's right. Yeah. The game is also uh, broken up into chapters. Like they have these really fun um, sort of eye catches that come up at the end of a chapter. And it's like chapter, you know, chapter one completed. Um so, yeah, and, and you do a lot of tra uh, sort of traveling back and forth between um, the, the girls' high school and the, the netherworld. Um, and, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of kind of, like, parody elements to it, too, and just comedy elements, like you were saying. Like, you know, you go to 
um, like a, a sports center or something in the in the netherworld, and it's just like the netherworld's you know athletic field, and yeah. <laughs> there's the, the netherworld's hospital that you that you end up visiting and, and things like that. Uh, you know, obviously hot springs in the uh, in the netherworld and stuff. Uh, it's it's weird too. I kind of forget actually how the NPCs respond to having like humans show up, you know, in their uh, in their world. But you know, and like I said, the comedy is pretty good too. Like you visit the hospital and she, you know, you you run into this like demon nurse and she's like, well, you know, who who needs to be healed? Is anybody sick? And everyone's like, no, no, I'm I'm doing fine. Like, no, I'm pretty good and stuff. She's like, okay, well, uh, let me hurt you a little bit, and then you get into <laughs> a you know a boss battle, <laughs> but. It's funny because after that, you actually get one of the best healing items in the game. Like, I think I actually still have it. I have, I've been saving it, like, you know, for the end boss or something like that. Yeah, that's something that I always do, like, really look for when, you know, as, as somebody who mainly just brute forces their way through these games. Any game that has, like, segmented levels and they, you can't, like, go back. Like, any JRPG where you have a whole world available to you, that's a nightmare, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when they when they break it up and say, you're going to be here and this is what you're doing, um, then, then I think that's always, like, really important. Um, I will say one challenge I did have with that game was, um, you know, there's there's kind of a couple aspects to this. So so the, the humor seems more dialogue-focused rather than, like, a visual aspect. There's definitely, like, visual components to the humor, but more frequently, it seems like it's more dialogue focused. And if, if you're trying to play without knowing, you know, what's actually being said or trying to use like a broken machine translation or something like that, you know, it's really challenging to get those little bits of, of you know, fun little bits of humor there and there or here and there. So it's more about when you're looking at it, it's more about the visual aspect, the character design and thing like things like that and kind of the voice acting when when people have reactions to things. Um, but it is when you start relying on those things, it becomes a significant stretch uh, to start like appreciating it without being able to read it. Right. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. If, you, if your Japanese level is not there, you're definitely going to miss out on some of the stuff. Like one of my favorite uh, interactions was like you end up running into this this robot character mm -hmm. and, and they're like who are you and they're and so they're like yeah we're the you know the uh makendo sisters or whatever and um you know, so so then he's like well well what what are you made of and she's like well uh we're like fat and and water and, and he's <laughs> like fat and and water what what kind of uh, metals are those and you know, it's just it's just this ridiculous dialogue right um but yeah you, you like you you have to be able to kind of like pick up on that i think to really appreciate that because it's literally just an interaction there's there's no yeah there's no yeah. visual you know mm -hmm. element to that and, and machine translation when using that you are filling in a lot of the blanks and so when you get yeah. that more abstract dialogue it it becomes almost impossible to follow at times um, yeah but is that that was your experience with the the kind of the first portion of the game um I, it was a challenge i would not say it was like a complete like miss but uh, but it was one of those things where like usually i can tell like when, when i'm using it like like how something is written to some degree because like to throw this completely out in a completely different direction although i think the angelique people may have worked on this game uh buddy mission bond on the nintendo switch they actually that did game, yeah that's a ruby party game as yeah well. yeah um, there's my connection with Angelique there is I'm there a, <laughs> love buddy mission bond. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite switch game. Um, and I have not finished it, but it's so good. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, but like 
so much of the information in there is is really in depth. They write it with with, you know, a lot of language in there that explains things and they repeat it is the thing. Now, does that is that good from like if it's translated to English and it's written that way? Whole other thing. But when you're machine translating it, it gives you so many opportunities to find where these pieces connect and things. Yeah. And you can fill in those gaps. You can see what the relationships are with these characters. And another thing with Buddy Mission Bond, very visual game. Like there's a lot going on there with like, you know, it, it is like, you know, two character portraits talking but a lot of momentum there's a lot of like animated cutscenes, like or animated portraits kind of you know cutting coming in presentations a huge part of that game and so what you run into with like a game like makuna makundo z is you have this one hit joke that happens in this one scene or something like that right and like because it's not like a ongoing long conversation you just don't have a lot of resources to like fill in the gaps kind of thing and, yeah. and that's something that I just kind of notice as you go through games and like who a game is targeted to. Because you'd be kind of surprised when you're using machine translation, like, oh, a game like for made for kids. When I use this for like games for girls and stuff like that, it would it would be OK because the language is simple. But it actually makes it harder in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of details being given or like the story is so simple. Like in the case of like a happy dance collection on the Wii where you're just becoming an idol, there's not a lot of pieces to put together there so it's more about just like the interactions happening per scene so it's hard to make that overarching view of what's happening in some ways um i've been reading a lot more in japanese recently and i've been going through uh i went through the original dokusei which we might talk about later and i also started reading isaku which is another work by the same author uh hirata masato and the i i didn't think about this because i've exposed myself so much to the language but there's a lot of little things and you know there's a lot of little things in the language that because I hadn't used Google Translate much and because I've kind of begun to understood them, thinking about it now, I'm like, yeah, it, it has to absolutely suck trying to um, machine translate any single game that uses really casual speech because there's yeah. going to be so much that Google Translate is just going to be like, what the hell are you quoting? <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully with like the kids games, most of the time it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I'm also like a big believer. I know I'm just throwing games out here. I love Wii Ski on the Wii and the story it tells, even though when you think it wouldn't tell any story. It's like very cute and charming, and that would be completely missed probably if you're machine translating something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. There's, it's a huge downside to it. Um, but it just depends on the game and how you're trying to use mm-hmm. it, and what you're trying to get from a game too. So, yeah. Well, perhaps Makaruna Makendo Z is a good uh, candidate for a fan translation. Mm. Let me. Yeah. So actually, fan translations filler. Yes. <laughs> Got to talk to you. So basically, all the time, there's something I get asked. How likely is X game going to get fan translated? Anytime I talk about something like that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would would tell people that there's, you know, probably a a next to 0% chance of that getting translated, right? Because it it really, it really just, it just depends, you know? Like, even when I'm, you know, interested in projects, I kind of move from one to the other. And what I end up working on... It surprises me sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not always just like picking, hey, this is a game that really deserves to be translated. I'm going to translate that. It's just randomly. I'm like, hey, yeah. I dumped a script for this thing. And then I started translating it and I didn't stop until it was done. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Like you have sent me multiple like 
fan translations for games that definitely don't have it. Like you gave me, you give me the text, right? But I, I know you've sent me things like Ocho Sama Sosomu, uh, I think Team Innocent as well as one that you sent me scripts for, yep. First Kiss Story. And so obviously on your side, that's not really the problem. So I assume it's more of the, the hacking component of getting that text in the game, making it run on a console and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And not, not to, you know, like place the blame or like point fingers or anything like that, because like I literally... I am the one holding up multiple projects right now as a, as a translator. And that isn't some of that isn't even related to translating, right? Like, uh, team innocent, like is pretty much in my lap. Like when people, you know, comment on my 10 year old video on YouTube saying, Hey, is this project, you know, ever going to happen? I'm just like, probably (laughs) right. If I get around to it, you know, and, and and I don't mean to be nonchalant like that, but like, it's just, you know, I've, I translated the whole script, like Esper and I did a whole ton of work on like hacking it back in. I, I got a hold of other people to help out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, but like what the work that's left on it is literally like syncing up lip, lip flaps via control codes in the text to, to like the words that, that are in the script. And I started trying to do this and it was driving me insane. And like, like I, f- I feel like someday I'm going to sit down and I'm going to make that happen. And I know Noel, I apologize. I believe you offered to help with that. Yeah. And I, I have been very tempted to just like kind of package that up and hand that off to you and be like, mm-hmm. Hey, if you want to try this and can do this work, like, please, please do it. Um, so again, like um, some of that is hold up on my end because I literally just have to sit down and like go through and make sure like I understand how all the tools work and I can hand them to you and, and give you instructions yeah. in such a way that's like, here's what you would need to do to do this and to test it out. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I mean, it, it just depends. Like, I, I will say this is not supposed to be guilt filler hour. <laughs> and what, what, is, what more of what I want to just like, uh, it, it's interesting to know what the holdups are on those kind of things, right? Yeah, because sure. fan translations, you know, it, it happens all the time, right? Like like Moon, right? The PlayStation RPG. I think that fan yeah. translation was in works for many, 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 many years. And then a, a finally like an official translation just yeah. came out instead. That's right, like, yeah. yeah. So like, and they're always challenging pro- projects. And, right and things like that and having the right tools and resources for it so even in simpler cases like uh there's a there's a tool set out right now for the pc 98 and it has kit for i believe most games elf made there's a full translation using the um uh tl wiki script of you know that you know that exists and it's Uh a very good fan translation runs perfect on real hardware um you could probably translate all the doki you could probably translate all the qsay games with it it has they're working on ADV98 support, so you could probably insert the PCFX Pia Carrot script into Pia Carrot PC98. But oh, even, yeah, yeah, you were mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, and, but even in, you know, cases like that, there's still inevitably going to be hacking work that has to be done, and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, one tiny thing or one big thing. All it takes is one thing to hold a whole project up, and I think a lot of people don't understand how absolutely mind-numbingly tedious projects like that can get and how frustrating even the smallest things can be to work around and how they can hold up a whole project yeah and and it's you know not to kind of belabor this but um you know it's really just if and if anyone's ever worked on a project right it's so Mm -hmm. easy for it to get derailed right like some of it is really just it's like do you have the will to see this through yeah and because these projects you know, 
take the skills of multiple people, multiple people need to have the will to see it through. And you, you can yep. start something with all of the best intentions, right? Mm-hmm. But like getting through that, you know, that last, that last mile, like, um, it, you know, it, it happens, uh, or it doesn't, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. that's just how, that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, I think you've done a handful of these. I know more recently, I think you did, Oh my goddess, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I've, I've, so that's the other thing this year, um, <laughs> that I've actually been working on and I'm somewhat proud of is, uh, you know, speaking of something taking a long time too. um, yeah, Esper Knight dumped the script for Oh My Goddess uh, on the PCFX back a long time ago. Uh, Is it now, Oh My it Goddess was, or Oh My Goddess? I always forget. In Japanese, it's Oh My Goddess. Okay. Uh, it was localized as Oh My Goddess. Um, you know, I use them interchangeably, but I just figure, like, for the sake of our audience, they might be more familiar with with Oh My Goddess, gotcha. like, kind of the the, the manga yeah. and the anime and stuff. It's all it's all uh, yeah, yeah. localized that way. So. Um, but yeah, you know, I just, I got the urge this past year. It was probably like, I don't know, four or five, six months ago or something um, to just open that up again and start uh, picking away at it. And it's just, it's so different from the the translation work that I've been doing recently that I've actually been really enjoying it. And I also like the idea of maybe, I feel like it's one of those PCFX games that's the closest to being done and would probably be easy to play test in comparison to, to really anything else. That's an option for me right now. Um, and like the work is actually going, the translation work is going well on that. It's a huge script. It's like the size of the welcome to Pia carrot script. Oh, wow. Maybe not that big. It's a little smaller. Um, but it's, it's a big script. It was a PC 98 game. So it's a PC 98 port. Um, the graphics aren't great. Um, they use, I believe, they retain kind of a limited color palette, I think, from the the PC-98 release, uh, but it includes full voice acting. So it's all the voice actors and actresses from, um, you know, sort of the OVA and, and TV series, and I don't know if they did drama CDs or whatever for, for Oh My Goddess. They probably um, did. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, and it's it's fun. Like, it's it's a... It's an oh my goddess story, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's really just like if there was an OVA or a movie or, you know, some sort of a short story arc in the in the manga. Um, that's basically what it is. And there's some mini games too, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's been it's been really enjoyable. That's a project that's going quite well. We talked a little bit earlier about like kind of the linearity of Una FX um, versus you know probably something like Pia Carrot probably like it, it what where does this game fit in that regard is it something that's pretty straightforward you're going to get a story start to finish or are there a bunch of branching paths or that's a great question um I believe it's going to be more linear mm. but that said that um like I actually get sort of into like a slog in portions of the script because there is dialogue and even uh, scenes and things like that that happen uh, obviously based on on choice segments, right? So there are definitely choice segments in the game. They definitely influence like things that happen and who you talk to and, and what you see. Um, but by and large, the story is linear. Um, and I, I forget who the YouTuber is. Maybe we can include a link to uh, the video in the description or something. But I believe I sent you a link to a video that was made recently somebody who's a big oh my goddess fan actually um 
played through this game and they posted some footage to YouTube um, with a little video about it. I think they have the ending and everything in it. I think it's um, Yes Gudu, right? That, that could or be. Or Yeskudu? Yeah. Is that what that's supposed to be? Yeskudu Japan know. Gaming? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was really great to see. There's actually um, almost like these combat segments in the game. So as part of the, I mean, do you want me to kind of talk about the plot? in just a general sense. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say about this, I'm so with that. go ahead with what you got. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, it's very typical, like, uh, you know, Keiichi uh, ended up, like, random, like he called a wrong number, and he, he co- contacted God, and he basically he was, he was granted a wish, which he wished, like, the, basically the goddess that was talking to him, he wished that, like, she would she would come live with him, right? And so that's that's the basis of this story um but there's all, always this like um sort of like tension between them where they're like they 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 uh their relationship is kind of um it's set because of this wish but like they also kind of have like they haven't necessarily done all of the work to like um on their relationships so it's it's just funny like um her sister like this other goddess is encouraging you two to go on a date and so uh, you guys go on this date and it's really awkward and heartwarming. Um, and there's a whole lot of stuff that, that can happen with that. Like, you know, there's choice segments and things like that. But uh, the stakes ramp up, right? So one of the villain, you know, antagonist characters in the series uh, ends up uncovering this really powerful relic. And she uses it to basically like, uh, I don't know if they... I don't want to spoil things, but she, she uses it to to fight against uh, you guys, and uh, things end up getting kind of out of her control, right? So um, it's it's always interesting. You always have these these really sort of like small scale like interpersonal issues that the characters are dealing with, and then um, you know things ramp up, and like all of a sudden, like the fate of not just the world but maybe the universe is at stake. Right? <laughs> so. This is this is you know another one of those uh, kind of oh my goddess stories and uh, yeah. you know it's great the characters are fun um, you know, sort of have the three Norse goddess uh, sisters and stuff like that it's a, it's a cute uh, game it's the kind of thing that a oh my goddess fan would appreciate. I've read the uh, I've read I think the first couple volumes of the manga I must have been like sixteen when I read them but I really really enjoyed them and I knew about the game for a while so I'm curious to see this come to fruition because I'd I'd like to see more of Bell Dandy and Co. That's that's great to hear because you know my um, my goal I feel like recently has been like hey what can I translate for the PCFX that is going to like help. Um, paint it in a better light or bring people mm-hmm. in who are just general game fans to really yeah. see that, Hey, there are some like just games on the system that just, just your average gamer would enjoy. Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. this is not the game to do that. So yeah, <laughs> um, I appreciate hearing that it, that it has, you know, an audience, uh, it's an right. audience of one at least. I, I am looking at this. This does remind me quite a bit of like what unit FX looks like in terms of like maybe the mechanics of it to some mm-hmm. degree that's what it, it reminds me a bit of so i'm definitely curious checking out i guarantee this will be the only oh my goddess thing i ever look at in my lifetime <laughs> but, um, 
Conversely, it might get me back into All My Goddess, because uh, if you've seen my videos, you know I have this really bad habit of, oh, I'm going to talk about this thing, now let me watch everything adjacent to it. So when I did my Dokusei <laughs> video, I snuck in that fit, like 10-minute segment about the OVA, so I think what's going to happen is I'm going to play the All My Goddess uh, PCFX game, or I'm not going to play it, I'm going to look at it and be like, mm, I need to watch the anime and see the manga first, and I'm going to spend like, just a binge it, and then play the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's one of the things I really appreciated. Uh, I thought that was really genius about that piece, that uh, Pia Carrot video that you mm -hmm. did, was you did watch the OVA, which is not very good. Yeah. Um, but you did, you used footage from that to kind of fill in, you know, portions of the, um, the video, and I feel yeah. like that added, it really did add a lot of context mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, I, I mentioned it, I think it was before we started doing the podcast, I, I'm not like a huge anime fan, so whenever I come into these things, it's usually just like, I'm looking at this specific thing, and, yeah. and that is it. So, But I think there's, there's value in that, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, It does make it a little weird, and I'm sure like All My Goddess fans won't really appreciate my perspective that much. Although, I did find that like, um, I can't, like Shaman King Master Spirits on the Game Boy Advance, I did have people tell me later that like, it's nice seeing that you enjoy this game even though I'm a Shaman King fan, because it, it it kind of solidifies that this is just a good video game yeah. in some ways versus just like being a good game for the fans kind of thing to some yeah. degree. Mm -hmm. um, but but it does like it does make it a little harder to appreciate to some degree with some of those things. Like I played the Little Witch Academia game on on, I think, PS4. Not a huge fan of that one, but they're cool ideas there. But I think I would have appreciated that more if I was an anime fan for that. So. That's interesting to hear, though, that is like coming along, though, um, because that, that sounds like that is actually progressing. Are there any other translations that you, you've working on that have any real progression to them? Or you think that's kind of the main one at this point? Uh, like related to the PCFX? Or yeah, just PCFX specifically. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I have I have not. I mean, and yeah. partially to like I have this real um, sort of inertia and momentum, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that 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 the. Uh, that's the word that I'm looking for that, you know, affect me. So like if, if I get started on a project, um, if I'm going on it, like I'll tend to just, just keep, keep, keep going. Yeah. But if anything derails me, it's, it's sometimes it's extremely hard for me to get back onto that train. So, you know, with, Oh my goddess, like now that I've sort of built up a rhythm with that and a bit mm -hmm. of a routine, uh, I'm trying to stick with it so that I don't get too distracted by anything else. Um, yeah. I do have other scripts, you know, kind of like you were saying, one or two are translated. Some of them are not, um, for the PCFX that I actually would like to translate, but, uh, but I, I'd like to focus on Oh my goddess and yeah. see, if i can finish that up because the end is is it's in sight within you know a yeah. reasonable amount of time like during this year i could i could easily finish that mm -hmm. well i will speak for everyone and say that even if it doesn't get finished i think everyone appreciates the work that fan translators put in for sure yeah. and, thank you you I know appreciate that um so it's on behalf it's, of everyone yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so i i really appreciate it on my side as well um i don't play nearly as many fan translations as i should though but if it's there i will use it if i want to play a game yeah. for sure so You did it. You made it to the end of part one. 
thank you so much for joining us on this journey as we talked about a variety of PCFX titles, you know, Noel's history of the console, as well as uh, giving some updates to, to, to Filler and, and what he's been working on in relation to the PCFX. Um, next time, we'll be talking about two particular topics. Um, one is what type of anime talent was was involved with the PCFX, kind of better understanding, you know, the types of people working on this console, as well as a general conversation talking about whether or not the PCFX could ever really catch on in the modern retro game uh, space, and then also discussing, you know, what needs to happen um, for the PCFX to, to be able to be successful there. I'm thinking I'm going to plan to put it out in about a week or so, but I will post in a variety of channels my my, my updates there on when that will come out if it changes for any reason. Um, in the meantime, though, make sure you go check out Noelle's YouTube channel, Emily Dory, where she talks a lot about a variety of PC98 and PCFX topics, a lot of them which we touched on today. Um, then you also have Filler's channel called Playongo, where he does a lot of like game pickups and things like that, and has a variety of other videos, including a pretty deep history of PCFX videos, if you want to check those out. He also has a website called Matt's Messy Room, where you can get some updates about his fan translation projects. I have more extensive links for both of them in the description, as well as any other links that we mentioned here today in the podcast. And then at the end of the next part, they'll give their full plugs in their own voice <laughs> uh, uh, when that time comes. Otherwise, if for some reason you don't know who I am, one controller port as a focus on obscure and underappreciated games, often resulting in us covering a lot of imports specifically. I do videos, podcasts, and streams, and I'm working on getting some PCFX stuff out, but the timeline on that's kind of still up in the air at the moment. But, you know, I would say probably not until after part two of this podcast comes up. I really appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you come back for part two.